Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Well Nerds Podcast. This is episode number 66. My name is Slater, and I'm here with Eric Austin, Eric Austin Yee, oh, <laughs> Adam, <hey>. and Caitlin. <laughs> Dang, hey, what's Eric, up? Adam, <laughs> Adam Fenster. <laughs> Adam Fenster. Here we go. It's starting early. Uh, you know what, Adam? Let's just get that out of the way. Why are we calling you the wrong name? Well, we had a little article in the local Santa Barbara newspaper about our repower of the boat. And it was actually really funny. One of my coworkers like went up to the lady who was, you know, writing the writing the little paper on us and she like gave him gave her a piece of paper with all of our names on it just to make sure she like got them all right. And she messed up two names. But anyway, so yeah, my name was Adam Fenster in the newspaper. Which is like, how do you mess that up? And maybe her handwriting was wrong. I don't know. Like yeah, maybe his R's party. look like F's or uh, yeah, but, but it's E R, not yeah, it's E R, not F E. Fenster, even better. <laughs> maybe it auto corrected. It's just like Ernster. That's not real. Fen Fenster is Fenster um, real? I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's where that's from. Jeez, oh, how Good the heck times. are you guys? I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> the yard is such a pain in the butt. You're almost done. Except we're not almost done because they are going to extend it another month. What? A whole another month. Welcome so to the yard. originally Welcome to the it was yard. supposed to, we were supposed to get out February first. Monterey they now... for a whole year. Year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> or two. Oh my gosh. Year and a half. Come on now. I, would, I could not do that. I would die of depression. Twice as late and three times over budget. <laughs> yeah, That's how the boatyard goes. That's exactly how it goes. It's becoming a fire festival of boats. No, so, dude, every freaking shipyard is like that. Like, tell me it's not. No, nah, dude, yeah. our the our the boat that's parked next to us, the Coral Sea, they do fishing charters, and they were in the yard for four days. Wow. And I was like, pulled it out, scraped the barnacles off, had the Coast Guard look at it. Went pretty back much. In. That's exactly what they did. <laughs> I mean. It's all right. I'll survive. Fun. I'll survive, maybe. I mean, repowering is a big deal. That's always going to go it's way definitely, longer than you think. It's definitely like the biggest uh, yard time our company's ever had. So it's it's a lot, but hopefully it'll be worth it. That's all right. You guys aren't really missing out on a whole lot. It sounds like it's even yeah, though watching is still allowed. It's probably pretty slow, right? Yeah, I can't even imagine how slow it would be right now. Like just like in normal, you know, winter seasons, it's usually pretty slow for a lot of companies. They're COVID in the mix. I can't even imagine, but it's all good. Okay, so We're surviving. Take the time, get the boat nice how you want it, and be ready yeah. for when the people are ready. Springtime. <laughs> See you. See you in the summer. <laughs> I totally forgot, dude. It's January. I should be out on the beach looking for gray whales. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it should be. I got gray whales. Yeah, is that what you saw? Yeah, this has been <laughs> gray whales and and rizzos. <laughs> gray whales gray and rizzos. And, gray whales and rizzos has been sounds highlight. like yeah. January in Monterey. <laughs> But I got like nine grays the other day, so it's good. Pick nice. Up. But Facebook let me know that I had twenty a year ago. Hey, Caitlin, how many um, did I have in like 2016? <laughs> Do you remember that? 
gray whales. Remember? I was like, there's like seven. I was counting. There's eleven. Oh gray whales. yeah, there was. It was like thirteen or something on the drone. Yeah. Oh, Don't nice. Count. Don't it wasn't, count it wasn't that though. I, I've had a bigger number. It was. It wasn't. It had nothing to do with the number of gray whales. Just we were live I was counting it. the passengers instead of the gray whales, and I was like, I'm not counting the passengers on the boat. We're... I don't like. <laughs> we're running the live stream from the drone, but like you know how the drone doesn't make like doesn't record audio because you just hear the yeah. blades. So then it was like from the station, you could hear me and Slater talking uh, during the yeah, live like stream. When you go live on Facebook, you know how it is, Adam, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I was counting the whales, and for some reason, this lady thought that I was counting the passengers. I'm like, why would I be counting the passengers while I'm flying the drone? <laughs> yeah, that means you're not looking at the whales at all. You're yeah, just like, well, exactly. look, there's 13 people on the boat while I'm flying this aircraft over whales. <laughs> That's pretty fun. People are wacky, man. Yeah, they are. I think I had a video of like 17 gray whales or something a long time ago. Yeah, in Newport. Uh, we, yeah, we had something like that down south when we were both down there. It was a day there. It was like a, yeah. Like a northbound group of males. Just... Like that, yeah. Most I've seen is like five. This time really? of year in Monterey, you can see pretty yeah. big groups of southbound whales. Yeah. I had northbound Now until mid-February. Northbound ones had pretty. I think it was either seventeen or close to twenty. It's pretty intense. It's actually, it's actually crazy thinking about the days. And you could probably look up in February where the whales are literally going both ways, and there's like yeah. thirty a trip, not thirty a day, like thirty a trip. Yeah, just passing each other. Yeah. What's up, dude? I've yeah. had days where just sitting at the point on a clear day, and we'd had close to hundred whale days. And the, Good clear water in a right moment, yeah. Hundred gray whales. Yeah. I found this video on my hard drive in of New, in Newport. I think it's like 2015 or 16, and it's a gray whale and a fin whale. They like pass each other, and it's just like so random. <laughs> I don't, I wonder what the gray whale thinks. I'm sure they see each other more often we, than we think, but oh yeah. Still, it's just like, yo, what up, homie? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, friend. <laughs> see you next year. Yep. <laughs> crazy the same yeah i used to i used to tell people like during this time of year in monterey um on a clear day if you didn't have a lot of swell you could probably see 30 whales an hour this is kind of like an average pace for the peak week or two at point pinos crazy Mm -hmm. and then in big sur um I I would argue that you could probably see more than that because of the elevation too, during the peak yeah. time. Eric and I always go way too early in the season. We still because <laughs> you guys stuff. get yeah. excited. We saw, yeah, we still saw stuff. Facebook let me know that me and you went there like I think it was like December first, and we literally like got out and like didn't wait too long. It was like boom, there was one. We saw. I know we saw a couple that were like going yeah. around the corner once we got there and stuff too. Yeah, me and you had like that that one lucky day. We like uh, just like literally got a car, waited like ten minutes, and it was right stuck. there. And then we just happened to be talking about Tim, and then Tim shows up. We're like, whoa! I, like, <laughs> I still haven't. I still haven't had a condition day, like a good condition day, where it's like, you know what I mean, where it's blue, like you know yeah. the videos that Tim has. And the glare over there is weird. It's like you'll have this small time frame from the like morning. sunrise to like noon, if not the sun's at a weird angle. We're just looking at glare, and you're getting a Too nice glare. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we can't really tell Adam about that spot. Yeah, we can't. Yeah. If we do, we have to kill him. Oh, my. 
Oh my gosh. Well, we could show well, him please don't just We could show you, me. but we can't tell you how to count the miles and we can't tell you reference points. Everything's fine for you until you get yeah. there. What's cool is everything's <laughs> there including, car sick. Yeah. What's funny it's literally like one of the biggest opening like spots you can pull out too. <laughs> no one just pays attention. Yeah, no one pays attention yeah. to like It's Bixby Bridge, isn't it? No, oh, it's not Bixby Bridge. <laughs> I mean, you can see whales there, but it's not very good. Not, and what's yeah. crazy? That spot people have seen blues, fins, grays, humpbacks, orcas yeah. the other yeah. day. Rizzos. Rizzos, yeah. Condors, Minky. which is cool. Yeah, condors are right there. I see a minky whale there. Maybe wild, wild gophers. Wild gophers, yeah. Beavers. Sea otters, seen sea lions. I've seen humpbacks, like, lunge feeding and breaching off of... Breaks her before. That was oh, cool. me too. You know the spot, and he'll do it to kill you. Oh, no, he doesn't know to. the spot. I probably do, but I probably do, but it's probably yeah, I no. Idea. No, I, I bet know. you saw him lunch feeding off like Yankee Point. I don't know where that is. Or Rocky Point. Or Rocky Point. Um, shoot, I forgot what I was gonna say now. Well, part of your initiation someday, Adam, when we can all get together, is we're going to take you to this. You have to spot. run and jump off that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. He would die. Remember, Slater, the burritos in the river is the best. Dude, how about those people that were walking, the river. walking down the cliff? Oh, and Adam, for the initiation, you have to wear no socks and no shoes and, walk, and sit in the river. <laughs> it's so cold. I'll I'll eating a burrito. Dude, I used in the wintertime. I, I used to shower... In the sea in Washington when I lived there because I didn't have a shower, so it's fine. <laughs> that water was like fifty degrees. Not even. He'll be fine. I'll be chilling, dude. <laughs> no All right, so let's hop into some uh, some of this news right here. That All right. Wait, what about what about, about Caitlin? Wait, what, what about Caitlin? Oh Sorry. yeah, I saw whales. See? Oh yeah, she's got all the whales. You saw whales. Yeah, I saw lots of humpback whales. There's starting to be more and more calves. Um, they haven't really, like, sucked into Ma'alaya Bay yet. Um, but I've been whale watching out of Lahaina and Ma'alaya. And we've had plenty of whales. We had a couple times we had whale songs so loud that I, like, shut the speaker off and, like, put my ear on the side of the boat. Because I was like, this whale has to be right underneath us somewhere. Did you make uh, all the passengers put their ear to the, the hull yeah, of the boat? Yeah, one, one of them. <laughs> One of the trips we did because it was so loud, we had to like turn the little amp down because it was like blowing out the amp. So that was Dude, pretty cool. What, e- what even is a whale? I don't even They're know. They're a really large ocean what about creature. Turtles. Okay, cool. Yeah, we've seen lots of turtles and what species? Um, all green sea turtles since the last time we talked to you. We had that hawksbill like my first day back, but yeah, yeah, I see leatherbacks at least once a week. Yeah, right? you know what, you guys. Nine individual letterbacks is the best year ever. Why are you uh, so mean? This one day I saw two individuals. In one well, day, you've seen like so mean. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah but what about a basking shark? You know oh, what, Adam? Bas- Be quiet. I say the F word to him. <laughs> no. <laughs> wow, Adam. Good thing you caught. You saw big fish. You know what? <laughs> Let me know when you guys swim with Not even that rare. Days, okay. The guy who built the wharf used to. Catch back sharks. Yeah. Oh yeah, Randy. Oh, Randy yeah. <laughs> like yeah, we just towed it right into the whaling station. He's like ninety something years old. <laughs> He's like, we got seventy dollars for it. Yeah, and that's a lot of money for back then. Yeah, it was like in the late thirties. 
It's like a kid then. He's like me and my little buddy. He said, like, he's tied to his little rowboat and it's bigger than the boat. Yeah, That's him and his crazy. brother were checking the gill net and they tied it to the skiff and he said it took him seven hours to we, drive. We to all those old time Monterey guys, they got some intense like stories that actually like are important because like some have of the them on like, we should what? have them on the podcast. Just like pull them aside. Eric, you're gonna have to wrangle them. If I can do man. You can make him a co-host. <laughs> imagine the stories that, like, when that dude passes away, like, imagine the stories that are gone, you know? Okay. Like, that, so here's the document. Oh, don't worry. We've heard Randy's stories about 46 times each. <laughs> I have them. They're all on the yeah, iPad yeah. in Discovery. Oh, yeah. I recorded him telling a bunch of them. So the most – I think I might have talked to a few of you about this. Um, some of the old-timers have – we're talking about orca that used to come really close to shore in Monterey. They would actually pick off sea lions uh, off the breakwater. And also there was some in Monastery. And also there's that really famous incident in the early 70s where the guy got bit by an orca over at Point Sur. So I'm thinking there used to be a pod around here that went really shallow picking off sea lions and stuff like that. I mean, I've um, seen them hunt sea lions off the breakwater. Yeah. And, and you don't see it anymore, you know, or you know, at least you don't hear it about often. But I think there was yeah. a pod here that out that used to go super shallow out here, picking things literally off the breakwater. Well, it's like L.A. pod, too. Like, they're probably all gone also. Yeah, that was like 96 was the last sighting. That was it. Yeah. yeah. So that's the whales that ate Jaws mm-hmm. group. So many of those whales in that catalog. That was a discovery, the old one, you know. Or not. Yeah, the original one from, uh, was it 87? 97. 97. 97. Yeah. Yeah. Adam wasn't born yet. I knew. I wasn't born yet. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Adam wasn't even born yet. (laughs) 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 Baby. (laughs) Adam um, wasn't born. Yeah, most most of those whales are dead now. Only someone did an updated catalog. Throw a, throw a rip up in the chat. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so um, yeah. So I saw whales and turtles and spotted eagle rays. I like turtles. A barracuda. Actually, oh, spending time with turtles. Huh? I I was just thinking about the last time I was there, and I was just like sitting in the middle, and there was like, remember the little like cleaning station or wherever wherever we were at there was like four turtles there yeah and wailea it was you and i and margo and amber and we were just freaking living our lives yep or i don't even know what a time what a time that was that beautiful evening light sun setting i'm in the water (laughs) so magical flicking your hair back and forth no my hair was buzz oh true all right. He was well, trying to flick it. You guys want to start with the filmography? Oh, sure. dude, yeah. What's the Ocean Souls about? Oh, that's me. That's your film? Yeah, I made it. No, you made a one piece of it. <laughs> no. Um, so Ocean Ocean Souls is this really cool documentary that I I'm pretty sure they reached out to you later, but I don't think you responded. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> Wow, way to put me on blast, dude. <laughs> um, but, it's hurtful, uh, I think, uh, Scott Wilson, who's a really 
amazing photographer was the DOP director of photography. Um, and essentially what they wanted to do was like, just show off how incredible um, cetacea are. And so they wanted to create a film that showed off the highest amount of cetacea from a large portion of the world's, you know, best cinematographers or videographers or photographers. Um, so they essentially just reached out to, I think over a hundred um, photographers, marine photographers and cinematographers. And um just asked, you know, if we could contribute footage for the film. And uh, they just came out with a, a contributor's screening, which I watched, and it was really awesome. Um, it's a little bit different than most of the documentaries we're used to. It's not really a scientific documentary. Like, obviously, there's some scientific, obviously scientific facts, and, like, they do have, I'm pretty sure they interview some scientists. Um, can't remember who. But they really just try to focus on, you know, like the connection between like people and nature and, and cetacea in, in specific. And they show off, you know, their intelligence and their family groups and their reliance on each other and their care for each other and their altruism and, you know, kind of everything. So it was it was a really cool documentary. I'm not sure when it's coming out for the public, but that'll be in the next couple months. So keep an eye out for it. So is it going nice. to try and go on like the film festival circuit first or is it just yeah. going to be digital screening? Yeah. So it's already won some film, film festival, um, but it's, it was a really, really cool documentary. And like I said, it's a little bit different than what we're used to um, in terms of just like, it's not like a BBC documentary. And obviously they have like different quality of camera work from different photographers around the world, but it's just cool to have a, conglomerate of like-minded people like that i think was really cool so nice well keep us posted on when it's available yeah to i will will do so that was fun guess what i watched free willy. my octopus teacher free willy i mean i've seen free willy Flipper. multiple times but yes i watched i watched octopus teacher cobra kai finally <laughs> cobra kai <laughs> Caitlin, you're kind of quiet, I think. Or Eric is. No, Eric's quiet. Eric's quiet. Am I quiet now? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with you, bro. Maybe he was volume. adjusting his mic volume. So, Octopus <laughs> Teacher, what are we, about like five months late now? Wow. If I was an octopus, I could shapeshift. <laughs> I could shapeshift. <laughs> okay, wait. So, I haven't, I haven't seen it in a while, but Caitlin saw it last. So, what was your, like, favorite part? Like, what did you take from that film? Um... When he cried, I think. Cry? Well, I think it was just pretty. I did. It was pretty interesting to see him, like the videographer, reflect on how he had just gotten way too wrapped up in like life on land and work, and like he just came to the ocean to find some peace of mind and to get back to nature. Because he's a he's a wildlife photographer and videographer, yeah. but like. He got so stuck in the rat race that he, like, was finding himself not even enjoying it anymore. And it's, like, you do have to kind of take a minute and ground yourself. And he just started snorkeling every day, like, not even with the intention of making a film. Like, he just wanted yeah. to get in the water and, like, chill out. <clears throat> um, which and I can he witnessed something with. amazing. Yeah, and then he found this story. And I think that's kind of, like, it's kind of like when you have writer's block and then you, like go for a hike and then all of a sudden yeah. you're like i know how to finish this chapter or whatever mm -hmm. um 
So I think that part of it was really cool for me to see someone who had like gotten caught up, but then found a way to like get back into it. Um, I'm still trying. <laughs> and then seeing his son. Yeah. And then seeing his son at the end, be so excited about going swimming and diving and all that. That was cool too. Yeah. So don't give away the end. I mean, the octopus is cool, but like, I think that seeing the method behind doing the whole project was also pretty, for me, that was the most interesting part. Dude, they captured some key moments, though. Like, oh, my God. Like, they told that whole story. That story is incredible. Yeah. With pictures. You know what I mean? Like. He's free diving the whole time he's filming. I think that's also incredibly impressive. And that water must have been freezing. Yeah, I mean, he's just out there in a shirt dude, and like trunks. He's no, like, yeah. I think I think oh. it definitely gets. It's not. I think it's cold there, but I don't think it's crazy, right? If you guys look, if you guys know, look, what's South what's living there? It, it's literally almost. It looks. If someone didn't yeah, tell I mean, you it was it South looks, Africa, it looks like Southern California. Yeah, or, yeah. or Central yeah. California. Yeah. But I mean, like the kelp forest <laughs> ecosystem has to be sort of cold, right? Like. Yeah, it. it Sixty-eight degrees. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a little chilly to well, be in think, there with no uh Yeah, 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 for no sure. No clothes other than your swim trunks. Right, Kate. It's not is it near Cape Town or no? I think he was I don't know where in South Africa he, he was. He was in the water. <laughs> that's helpful there. I don't It's such it's such an interesting story. Like like could you imagine if you were able to follow a whale like that, you know, like go out every day and just find the same whale and just I honestly think that would be easier than finding a flipping octopus. Have you ever tried to find an octopus while you're snorkeling? Well, once you find it, once you find the octopus den, you're like, all right, I know where the den is. But like a whale, you're like, yeah. Until it camouflages into the kelp, and you're like, is that kelp? But you can't can't take a film crew and follow the same whale for hours unless. And and at nighttime, what are you gonna do? It's true. Spotlight. Well, it. it's just, I guess it's you, I, like like imagine imagine the stories you could tell from yeah. a whale's life from a singular whale's life. Well, I think another good candidate that's charismatic megafauna would be like a sea like a harbor seal, right? Because they're in a local right. They're in a local area. They're Why you can big? identify them with their marks. <laughs> I'm just laughing at our harbor seals under our wharf. I just think of them and I laugh. Yeah, the I love them. Those harbor uh, seals could tell, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> One time this guy yeah. dropped a boot. I thought he was dropping a rock cod. <laughs> this, lady, this lady with a visor yells at me. Somebody yeah, dropped yeah. a shiny brick down this, here. This guy chucked me a bread up. bowl. No, this, this guy threw guy... a bread bowl at me. Holy clown yeah. chatter. Dude, that guy would throw like six or seven bread bowls in. Dude. Oh, yeah. Did you move since he, he got banned? He's banned. Yeah, he got banned. I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen anyone banned from the war before oh that was a whole mess anyways um so yeah so i was just impressed overall about the whole situation um to be honest just to kind of get us back on track also if you're wondering how hard it is to find an octopus underwater i tell my snorkel passengers that it's like the gold medal of snorkeling if they can find us a octopus during the trip i've only had one group of passengers find one so far since i've been here there's one that lives in your harbor, Caitlin. Shh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like in Molokini. Or he was like the sitting there, there like staring at me. I was like, that rock looks different from the other rocks. I was like, that, that rock has eyes. eyes. 
<laughs> yeah. No, um, in Molokini, there's a couple, and I've seen them before. But if you're just a, a novice snorkeler, you would never see it. So. Novice. Novice. And then I don't know. If- Okay. The other uh, film was I Am Greta. Did anyone watch that? I did. So I just put it on there as like just a FYI. Like if you're looking for an environmental uh, movement type film, Hulu did a documentary on Greta Thunberg. Um, and I think a lot of the footage actually came from her dad. Um, because some of the footage is like before her really famous speeches. And, like, when she first started school striking. Um, And it's a pretty, like, personable look at Greta's life. um, Because she does have uh, Asperger's. And she, um, like, emotionally, she processes things differently than other people. And so, like, they do have a few, like, raw moments where this teenage girl is just, like, trying to come to grips with, like, this huge crisis and you know how she's trying to uh, process that and and be constantly disappointed by adults that are in positions of power and um, they have some like cool footage from when she came across the Atlantic on the sailboat um, so it's, it's cool um, I got you know we all got a little theater dust in our eyes at some point during the film as Duke would say because um, it is pretty emotional to watch her like be so disappointed a few times with the the policymakers. Um, but yeah, it's a good film. So if you're looking for something to watch, that's my recommendation. Is I am Greta on, on Hulu, Hulu? You said, yeah. <clears throat> okay. So yeah, I'll have to check that out. It it is really frustrating. Just you know, like I think we all have those days where we're just pretty defeated when you look at the future. But <laughs> I think at the end of the Kayla day. Should have heard our conversation like two days Yesterday. ago. Yeah. <laughs> I missed it. It's, uh, it's tough. And like yeah. people that like us that really care about the future and, and whatever, whether it be your children's, whether it be whales, whether it be rainforest, like it's pretty depressing. But at the same time, there's a lot left that is worth fighting for. I think yeah. Jane Goodall said that best. Um. And yeah, it's just, it's, you can't give up hope. You can't just stop. You know, obviously, it's disappointing when policymakers choose constantly choose money over wilderness and nature. But like, you got to keep fighting. You got to keep chugging along. Yep. So, um, okay. Do you guys want to do conference updates or do you want to do news? You can probably the say conference, the conference updates are quick. Yeah, they're yeah. really quick. It's only two. Oh, okay. Uh, Caitlin, I don't know if you caught this. It's not in the notes, but um, the uh, the um, bi- biennial uh, is scheduled for. Uh, la, 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 la. I clicked the wrong email. Hold on. Twenty twenty two. Uh, twenty twenty one, December thirteenth through seventeen. I wonder how they're gonna do it. It's based out of Palm Beach, but it's gonna be. Um, <laughs> That's not gonna happen. Yeah, Palm so what, Beach. What do you mean it is gonna happen? I don't care. I went to Florida this hybrid. last yeah. winter. I'm telling you, it's not gonna happen. They're, they're calling it the first fully hybrid live virtual conference. So I'm wondering how that's gonna be. So they they know they can't probably get everyone there. So I think that's what they mean by hybrid. Yeah, the international folks are gonna be like, "That's a no from me." Yeah, go, 
come to the country. Palm Beach is the best they can come up with? No offense if you're well, from Palm Beach. Well, it's a bid it's a bidding system. Um gotcha. like and they try and um share the North American versus European versus South Pacific locations to try and like every few years accommodate the amount of travel that uh, the international researchers have to do because if it's always gotcha. in North America, then the U.S. and Canadian yeah. researchers never have to spend a lot of money to go anywhere, gotcha. and that's not really fair to everyone else. So went from like what San Francisco, Spain, Canada. Yeah, Bobby? it went from San Francisco to Halifax to Spain to Florida. What's Palm Actually, Beach? one more before San Francisco was um, Dunedin. Oh, so, New Zealand? Yeah. Whoa, okay. Yeah, so... Yeah. Palm Beach? What, which part of Florida is that? Uh, Atlantic coast on the south. On like, the south, okay. Yeah. So I can go, like, live, like... If I do go, well, I don't know if it's safe to go. We'll go look for right whales. I'm going A1A, Beachfront Avenue, like Vanilla Ice. Oh, my God. A1A. Okay, Beachfront so that's Avenue. Society that's Society for Marine Mammalogy. More information to come on on that one. Um, but coming up pretty quickly is January 30th is the ACS conference. The registration is free. And it's just opened up this morning. Yeah, so if you want to register... Um, I I shared a post on our Facebook page with more information, um, but we'll probably put it in the show notes as well. And then oh, I just met with someone who works for Whale Trust, which is putting on the Whale Tales Conference, which normally happens in Maui on uh, Valentine's Day weekend. This year it's fully virtual, and it's actually honestly a bigger program than it would be in person, um, which is pretty cool. So it's a $60 donation to Whale Trust to register. Um, and during the live weekend, everything will be programmed in. Um, there will be some live like breakout sections and discussion rooms and things like that. But all of the main like keynote talks are going to be pre-recorded and just queued up and played as if it were a live event. Um, mm -hmm. So for your registration fee, uh, you get access to those talks for 30 days, which is pretty cool. Um, because, you know, 60 bucks right now for some people, that's going to be a lot of money, especially if you can't participate on the actual weekend, but they're going to try and make as much information available, um, for 30 days after the event as possible. Is which it is really mainly, cool. awesome. is it mainly Pacific back well talkers that a lot of other, uh, they have like things. Ken Balcom, they have all kinds of speakers on there. Let me see. They're going to talk about Orca all day long in Hawaii. Yeah, dude. Um, and you mean in San Juan Island? Yeah, I just can't get away from these topics. Ken Balcom's right? in San Juan Island. I know, Eric, but I'm just saying, isn't whale tails a Hawaiian thing? Um, yeah, typically it's mostly Hawaiian stuff, but um, this year I think they're trying to branch out more. I'm trying to get the link to load right now because I have a preview and registration link, which had like a full list of speakers. Um, but my internet is very slow. Why is it not working? Oh, here we go. Okay. So, virtual experience. Uh, the speaker preview is Ken Balcom, Moira Brown, uh, Jim Darling, Ellen Garland, Beth Goodwin, Mark uh, Korostolev, Mark Lammers, Ed Lyman, Flip Nicklin, Roger Payne. That'll be good. 
Uh, yeah, Flip Flip has always been a part of Whale Trust. Um, oh, so awesome. he brings in like the photographer aspect to their um, to their to their content. And uh, let's see, Roger Payne, Andrew Steverson, Stevenson, excuse me, Jason Sturgis, Hal Whitehead, Dave oh, cool. Wiley. So you've got East Coast guys. Yeah. Dr. Roger Payne is the one who put out Songs of the Humpback Whale in 1970. Uh, Andrew Stevenson does a lot of work with the breeding grounds of the North Atlantic, right? Or North Atlantic humpback whales. Um, and then Dave Wiley is with Stellwagen Bank National Marine Sanctuary. Uh, Hal Whitehead is with Dalhousie University in uh, Canada. So you got a pretty good mix of people. This uh, okay, that's Mike good, yeah. Korostolev is actually whale watching Russia. Um, so that'll be cool. cool. Yeah. So it looks like it's going to be a really good program. Yeah. Because um, as I was thinking, it was like, I know it's Hawaiian based, but I don't know. I was like, yeah. when the first name you mentioned is Ken. I was like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> is it going to become yeah, exactly. Um No, I mean, I think it's, we'll see what it's going to be. But I think it's supposed to be more uh, all encompassing since it's virtual this year, which yeah. will be cool. Yeah. Because um, I went to one of the days last year because i was off work uh and i really enjoyed it and i'm excited to see how the virtual goes yeah that sounds good so yeah so if you want to register um we'll make the link available in a couple different places but it's called whale tales and it's hosted by whale trust and it is valentine's day weekend send send me that link caitlin personally so are we all going I'm going to. I'm going to pay for it. Even if I have to work, I can watch the stuff later. Oh, I was going to say, we can have a watch party. Yeah, yeah let's do a watch party in Maui. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll do it. Okay. Just build so, the should we go through some whale news there. real quick? Whale news. Yeah! Okay. There's some calves born. A lot. Whale, <laughs> northern... North Atlantic right whale calves, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. Oh, dude, those are such cool names for calves. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. They don't get names till later in life. They get catalog numbers. Oh, okay. Theodore. What's your Theodore, name? Roosevelt. <laughs> you guys are awful. What's the survival rate on those? This is like, uh, you know. Not good. Well, oh, you just looked at them funny. They're dead. 1 in 11 possibly can make it, or is it better than that? I mean, I think having a big birth year is a good sign. Hopefully, a few of them will make it. Um, so, calf number five is born to a whale named Magic. She's a 39-year-old whale, and this is her seventh calf. So, I'd say odds are pretty good. you got a really experienced yeah, mom in the prime of her reproductive years. Calf number six is born to a whale named Minus One. Minus One is 27 years old. This is her third calf, so odds are pretty good for that whale as well. Experienced mom. Uh, good age for reproductive years. Calf number seven is a whale born uh, is born to a whale named Binary, who's 21 <laughs> years old. This is also her third calf. Uh, calf number eight is born to a whale named Grand Teton. This is her fifth calf, and she is at least 27 years old, so they might not have seen her when she was first born. How'd they get that name? Um, do you know how they na- what markings they name them after? It's those callosities on their head. Oh, reminded them of the Tetons? Yeah. Yeah, let's see if there's a photo. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, it does look like the Grand Tetons. If you <laughs> click the third link, I think it's the third link down in the Google Doc I sent you guys. Um, it pulls up the Facebook post, and you can see the marks. They have a picture of Grand Teton. Uh, it was just funny. It was like, it's named after a place where there's no ocean. That's why I was like, oh. Yeah, it totally Croissant looks like Grand a. Tetons. Adam Slater, where's the Grand Tetons? Uh, Hint, I drove through it. Do you guys see what's in the water? There, it's in Jacksonville, Jackson Hole. I mean, Jacksonville. <laughs> Jackson Hole. Yeah. Good job, Jackson guys. Florida. Hey, good job. Do you see what's in the water? You guys are only caring about whales, but there's the jellyfish. Bit... Yeah. The cannonball jellyfish. Yep. Yeah, dude. I saw those. Also, you can eat them. Delicious. Oh, you've eaten one, Eric? I don't think I've eaten the cannonball. I've eaten some type of jelly. It does look like the Grand Tetons. <laughs> you clicked on it. What picture? I don't see the picture. The third. The third link should go to a Facebook post. Facebook. We should post that picture. I'll put the links in the show notes in the comments on our Facebook page. And then, um, okay, so we're up to calf number eight. Calf number nine is born to a whale that does not have a for fun name it just has catalog number 2420 calf number 10 is born to a whale called bocce and bocce's 13 years old and this is her second calf and then calf number 11 is born to catalog number 3130 and 3130 is 20 years old and this is her third calf so we've got lots of experienced moms um, and lots of babies. So hopefully this is a good cohort of North Atlantic right whales. Sounds no. sounds very promising. Yeah. So, Marking on wood. New generation of baby whales to, uh, baby to celebrate. <laughs> They're so cute. And then, I just want to pinch their cheeks. <laughs> pinch, their cheeks. pinch their colossities. Pinch their Rub their colossities. Um, and then... <laughs> Some updates, if you are on the East Coast and you are a boater, um, this new slow zones have been set for, oh my gosh, I don't know if you can hear the dogs barking, I'm sorry, somebody must oh, be walking up to the house. Yeah, we can, <laughs> so disruptive. Josie's outside barking and then now dogs. Oliver's in the house getting going. Um, okay, so if you're on the East Coast, uh, there's a new slow zone set up for southeast of Atlantic City, New Jersey from January 9th to January 24th because there were acoustic detections of right whales in the area. And then um, the New England Aquarium Aerial Survey Team also saw right whales south of Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. So the slow zone is extended from January 8th to January 23rd in that region outside of Martha's Vineyard. So um, if you're a boater in that area, and you are out cruising around. Uh, the slow zone is 10 knots or less, is required for boats 65 feet and larger. Um, and then they would like a voluntary 10 knots or less from all vessels. So, wow. yeah. Um, if you see a whale, slow down. They are very fragile. They need your protection. And uh, they need your love. And Noah and. Um, and the groups that are doing the observations work together on getting that information out to people. So uh, you can follow along on NOAA's website, National National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, if you are 
going to be boating in that area. Because also in off the coast of Georgia and Florida, where all the moms and calves are, it's also an area where you need to drive slow. So definitely do your research if you're going to go out on your boat. Okay, this next one is um, not very fun to talk about. But I feel like we have to. Uh-oh. Um, so. Let me prepare myself. There is a reward out for anyone that has information about this. Uh, but someone scraped the name Trump on the back of a manatee in Florida. Um, this was three days ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they scraped off the algae. They didn't actually, like, mess up their skin too badly. But it's still a violation of the Marine Mammal Protection Act. It's still not okay to do to an animal. Um, So, yeah. I'm disappointed. I hope if someone knows anything about it that they turn that person in. Because that is a federal crime. And it's a big chunk of change, right? Yeah, it's $50,000. Yeah, I think if they wanted to, they could pursue up to a $100,000 fine and six months in jail, I think. Yeah, I think it's up to a year in prison. There needs to be more people put away for Marine Mammal Protection Act violations, like actual prison time, instead of just like, no, no, you know? Yeah, don't do that. Like, uh, uh, something finally happened to the guy who shot the elephant seal over here, uh, over in, was it San Simeon area? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just went up and shot at the beach. Yeah, you didn't hear about that. It's, look at it. I remember. I remember Google it, but yeah, I think that case is finally know. done. Well, and then I there's a few that, unsolved no matter, sea otters too in Central California. <laughs> no, but remember the ones that were on shore dead with first off. Yeah, like four years ago. Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of there's a few sea otter harassment cases up here. Oh, Caitlin and Eric, you guys have both swam with manatees, right? Yeah. So, I, I like, too. Oh, okay. Well, what what are your guys' thoughts? Like, how the heck do you think someone was able to even get up? To, like, was it just sleeping and they just Dude, like held? Yeah, I know they're, they're very like potatoes. docile, right? Yeah, yeah they're, they're very docile, docile. and they you actually could easily, you could easily do that. And some of them kind of <laughs> if you if you touch them, some of them are like ah, they they kind of yeah, like, they like. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. obviously it's it's on their terms. Yeah. Yeah. I mean this uh, mostly looks like someone but, took the algae off, so the manatee probably wasn't in perfect. pain. So it may not have made too many moves to try and get away. It almost looks like a wire brush or something that they use to scrape it. Yeah, maybe. <sighs> but yeah, I, I mean know. it wouldn't take much to hold it in place if it did like well, Bust they're pretty slow. They're pretty slow moving too. Yeah, they can be quick when they want to be. I've seen. Yeah. It. No, totally, totally. But I don't it's, know. I, but I, sometimes I, they actually probably think, "Oh, this person's rubbing my back. This is nice." So yeah. do you think they, they it was in like an area because there's obviously ecotours around it, or there was? Yeah, it's yeah, over. It happened in Homosassa, and it's in Citrus County, which is the only county where you can actually swim. Legally, you know, where they actually have the, the businesses to, to to be in the water with them. So, do you think it was now, someone that was on a tour, or do you think it was someone that went on their own time? Or no, I'm I think sure it's, it's someone that went on their time. own time. Crazy. Yeah, the people who work, for, like ninety nine percent of the people who work for those companies, trust me, are, are you know all about those animals. My guides yeah, have right. always 
I've always actually chewed out the people who are doing bad stuff. So I've been with the times I've been out there have been with really good people. Yeah, the person that got the footage was a captain for a fishing charter company that leaves out of Crystal River. Mm-hmm. Um, so an ecotourism company got the footage and called Fish and Wildlife. Um, so yeah, don't someone put it really well in the article manatees are not billboards so don't do that that's bad the world's pretty crazy right now it really is like no matter no matter what side of the political spectrum you land on like don't be harassing wildlife that's yeah not what you want to do there's also another video that surfaced recently that i saw do you guys know that like brother nature dude Mm -mm. he's like this like tiktok guy that like talks to like wild animals but he did a video of himself and he was he was sitting within the san simeon elephant seal company uh colony and he was like is that the guy laying down on the ground like i'm sleeping yeah he's yeah exactly um he just like got a video of himself like like sitting next to like sleeping moms and babies and it's like bro you should not be doing that that is totally a violation of the marine mammal protection act but also like pretty risky for you dude like, he, he i was i i commented on the post i was like this dude's about to get his ass whooped like one of these moms is not gonna be happy yeah like one of those females lays on you you're dead yeah, yeah. did you guys see that picture i put up the other day over at a kind of different over there you, you can actually be on the beach with them but there's like rangers everywhere and they actually kind of draw a big circle like in the sand around the elephant seals, no, so you don't, you know, not to cross them. Not to uh, cross that line. So it's kind of funny. I actually, yeah, that's how I got that shot. I laid down on the ground, you know, with them. But yeah, you're good, you know, a uh, good distance away from them. But yeah, the, the, there's a, a few rangers who will actually go out there and draw a big sand in a circle, and they're, you're watched like a hawk. I mean, what? Yesterday afternoon, there were like six rangers there, and one of them was actually pretty knowledgeable i think she actually is dedicated to working with the elephant seals and and uh marine mammals in the area that's pretty cool yeah but not a good idea people are wild man those big males yeah yeah. uh, that thing just not even attacking you just being on top of you you're gonna get hurt (laughs) yeah yep all right Um, i miss going to anya nuevo eric huh yeah me and slater had some fun hikes there yeah this is this is the time of year, too. Yeah, all the big boys are there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think let's skip one link down, and we'll talk about the paper last. So let's talk about the nutrient cycling of whales in the ocean briefly. The whale poo? Yeah, the poo-poo. whale poo. Eric's favorite. Poo-poo. It's my favorite, too. Yeah. Okay, so this is an older article that had been reworked and republished in SciTech Daily. Um, they actually quote Ken Norris a lot, who has passed away quite a few years ago, actually, right? At least five years ago, more than that. I don't know. Um, so anyway, so we know that whales are part of the uh, nutrient pump in the ocean they're called the whale pump so not only is it their movement up and down the water column mixing up nutrients and bringing them to the surface to phytoplankton but also when they feed 
they're feeding below the photic layer typically, so where light is not penetrating the water. And when they poop, they're pooping at the surface. So they're transporting <laughs> all of those nutrients up into the photic layer again and making those nutrients available for phytoplankton. So them just doing their natural biological processes, they're fertilizing the surface layer of the ocean. So that makes them an ecosystem engineer. Um, but this article is kind of talking more about um, taking that a step further, like trying to scale it out even further. And um, the component that we're kind of like missing is that it actually echoes into the land ecosystems more than we really realize. So if whales are boosting the phytoplankton, that's then boosting fish populations and uh, the movement of nutrients from the ocean up river systems is actually a pretty big deal, which I think is something that's really interesting to look at is where like the land and the, the sea intersect, especially when it comes to nutrient cycling. So it could be that uh, those smaller fish are being eaten by anadromous fish. So like a salmon eats an anchovy that was eating phytoplankton that was fertilized by a whale. <clears throat> and then that salmon swims up river and it dies up river and all those nutrients then go into the river habitat. That's so, so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just the nature is so much deeper than anyone. Oh, man. Think yeah. Just, well, like, lots incredible. of people have been saying, yeah, whales don't get enough credit for, you know, yeah. Literally fertilizing the ocean. Everyone's like, thank yeah. you, trees, for the air I breathe. But it's like, all that plankton, you know? Thank you yeah. for the nutrients in my soil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, like an osprey picks up a fish out of the ocean and then goes eats it in the forest and like drops the carcass in the forest. And so it's like all these different distribution distribution methods. Um, and then you have these big echoing effects like this is saying... Yeah. This one paper says that they estimate that certain nutrient pumps have declined by over 80% in part because of the removal of large animals such as whales. Like, we had no idea how much we were messing this up until we took all these animals out. Guys, I, I, I have a documentary slash book idea. This is the title. <laughs> how, how Whales Feed Bears. <laughs> and how we're messing how it whales up. How whales save the planet. Dude, like, imagine all the freaking Kodiak bears and stuff that eat all the salmon that, like, is there because of the Alaskan humpback whale population or whatever. Like, you know, it's like, crazy. Yeah. Well, and also think of the other thing I think about a lot um, is before commercial whaling, like, it was, it was not unusual for whales to die of natural causes, wash up on the shore, and, and then all kinds eaten of... By... Yeah. All kinds of terrestrial animals would come in and eat the carcass. Wolves, coyotes, bears, condors. Here in the Bay, there's vultures. like some written, re written records about, yeah, the first few people here, they were like whirl carcasses surrounding this bay, and grizzlies were, were gnawing at them. Yeah. In San Francisco Bay? No, here in Monterey Bay. Oh, uh, yeah. Monterey Bay, I believe it, because yeah. of the, all the forest behind us. Yeah. I mean, I'd believe it anywhere on the West Coast, honestly, before European settlement. Yeah. God, what a what an amazing! Imagine, you imagine going to Big Sur and seeing bears. Adam? Yeah. I mean, oh lost, my gosh! We man. lost grizzlies. What? Incredible. We, we lost, lost grizzlies in the 1800s. Was it 19 early 19 or was it 18? Was it that early? I want to say 19. Oh, oh, so it's a single digit. It was yeah, like I, I took a I I took a class on this. I should know this crap. 
JJ believes there is there's still bears in Big Sur. I mean, there's black bears. Slater, there so... are. Remember Slater? No, or... no, no. I'm sorry. He thinks there's a grizzly bear. He believe he thinks there's one. Not. I know there's black bears. I'm sorry. Yeah, but... there's black bears here. Me and Slater actually went to go look for it when we first moved here. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we went up to that park. What's that park called? Jack's Peak. Yeah. You know what's funny about the 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 grizzly bear is people don't realize. Yeah, they were here in California. It's our state flag, but um. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. Nine, 1924, less than 75 years after the discovery of gold, yeah. every grizzly bear in California had been tracked down and killed. It has been extinct since 1924. Although the grizzly had roamed the state at will for 300 years, the gold rush of 1849 rang the death knell. Yeah. Rang the death knell for the for the bear. So yeah. In fact, one of this last specimens is right down the street in the pacific grove museum i think a skull of one of the last california grizzly bears and i randomly came across a grizzly bear skull on some guy's ranch coming back home from um no you know what it wasn't a uh, whale trip from baja it was back in my racing days we were on this guy's ranch and there was a grizzly bear skull and he told me yeah i just found it on the ranch property it's pretty wild yeah wow. so northern baja was was still grizzly bear territory too yeah, Dang. that's nuts. It's, yeah. it's pretty incredible just to think of the how we've affected ecosystems and stuff like that. Because I can imagine a, a, a whale kill being a, a huge, you know, nutrient-rich portion of the environment of the yeah. coastal California. You know, I can't even yeah. imagine how 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 much impact that would have. Don't forget whale falls. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a whale, whale fall. Falls. It's essentially a whale fall on the beach, but mm-hmm. yeah, yep. Yeah, welcome totally. to the bear nerds. So, um, yeah, and I think Ken had some good quotes at the end. You know, it's an enormous challenge to try and re- reinstate these systems of of massive scale of these connections between the land and sea, um, but the impacts of not doing anything about it could be really severe. Um, And he just said, we simply don't know enough about this. We know that losing big animals is ecologically problematic at these massive scales, but we don't know the exact impacts of losing them. So how long have we got to sort these issues out and what could be done about them? Um, You know, which of course just leaves you hanging in suspense because no one has the right answer. But I think a lot of people are looking too narrow at how everything functions. Damn. I, I mean, the details are important, I but like, must. there's these big picture ideas that also are just as important. Totally. I, I love science. Science. Yeah, I want to be a science titian when I grow up. Yeah. You do. Yeah, I want to be a science titian. Of knowledge. I'm going to be a waffle head. Turkey burger. Turkey burger. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> or ranch, ranch or barbecue sauce. That's Both. really interesting, and I'm glad you brought that up, Caitlin, because that is kind of mind-boggling to think of, really. Yeah, that's one of the topics that like always trips me out, is like the connection between the ocean and the terrestrial environment, like all the pathways. So, um, Okay, so uh, this episode is going to be a little bit long if we go into this next topic, but I think Let's we should do just it. do it now since it's hot off the press. YOLO! Okay, so on January 12th, an article came out in Frontiers in Marine Science. It is called Effects of Vessel Distance and Sex on Behavior of Endangered Killer Whales. 
Uh, so this is done by Conservation Biology Division of the Northwest Fisheries Science Center of the National Marine Fisheries Service, which is part of National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration based in Seattle, Washington. Um, Linker Technologies from Virginia, Department of Fish and Wildlife and Conservation Biology, University of California, Davis, and Cascadia Research Collective. So these groups um, put together some data that actually was collected in 2010, 2012, and 2014. Um, those dates are going to be important. Um, using suction cup multi-sensor tags on southern resident killer whales, trying to determine uh, what behaviors the killer whales are doing in the presence of vessels. So... Um, we all know that the main threat to southern resident killer whales is not enough food, um, but a hot topic of regulation and debate about those regulations has been about vessels. So they had these biologging tags um, attached to the whales. They recorded like sound, direction, speed. Um, I don't know if they had video. I don't think they had video. Um, so they were using like the movement of the whale underwater, the depth, and any audio they picked up to determine like these uh, states that the whales were in behaviorally. Um, some important things to note. Um, so these tags, all this data is from 2010, 2012, 2014. This is when the whale watch regulations were just barely starting to change from the regular hundred yard rule. Um, and they, the vessel distances that they logged in this data set is not reflective of what whale watch boats are currently having to do. Um, they did collect data in Canada and in the U.S. And they had 23 attempted deployments of tags. They had to throw 10 of those samples out. So they only have data in their models from 13 tags. And two of those 13 tags were repeat deployments on the same whale in different years so like two of the 13 or it's like nine unique whales did right? it say why they had to 11. throw 10 of them out they collect data in canada and them they had to throw out because the audio from the noise of the water moving over the tag was too loud to correlate with the behavior acoustically of the whale gotcha so it's a really small sample size um, and then would it be 11 or would it be nine whales? If they had two different whales that were tagged twice, it'd be nine different <laughs> individuals. Is that right? Yeah. Can I do math? Oh, two that yeah. were tagged twice? I thought it was the same yeah. one that was tagged yeah. twice. There was yeah. K30, K33 and L91 were both tagged twice, but in separate years. L91, that's muncher, I think. Hello. So um, the conclusion of the paper is that when vessels are less than 400 yards away and they don't really determine what, like they don't really categorize the vessels very well. Um, when the vessels are less than 400 yards away, animals are more likely to shift from a foraging state to a traveling or resting state, um, especially females out of these uh, 13 tags that they analyzed. So 
potentially what that could mean is that if if vessels are less than 400 yards away, the whales are spending more of their time traveling or resting and not feeding. However, um, I had a couple questions about that. I don't, and I'm sure you guys will have some as well, but, um, the research vessel that was monitoring like the focal follow of the tagged animal during the tag deployment, uh, matched whale watch vessel behavior at the time of observation. So even the research vessel potentially was less than 400 yards away from the tagged animal is how I read that. Well, how would they tag it? Are they, are, they, are you saying, tag. are you saying that the observations are after they tag it? Like how long is the tag yeah, on for? So the method was that they would attach the suction cup tag to the individual animal. And then they, in their research vessel would focal follow the whales with a range finder. And they would follow all the vessels that were also following the whales. So they'd be like taking a range measurement of how far the vessels were, how far the whales were, and calculating how close all the vessels were and for what period of time. And then they would, when they would get the tag back, they would then match all the timestamps up to look at what was the whale's dive profile like during those times. So then they made this model to look at how often was the whale doing dive patterns that were signatures of feeding how often was the whale doing dive pat patterns that were indicative of resting or traveling? And then looking at, you know, based on the variety of vessel distances, how often were they changing between those different behavioral states? Um, it's so tough to. But then they said that they categorized. also. Yeah, they said that they were also matching the whale watch vessel behavior don't really specify what distance they were away from the whales. Yeah. And don't you think that also just like tagging a whale would put, would obviously put it in a different state for at least a little bit. Like, right. And there's not a whole lot of discussion about that either. Like they leave off the first five minutes of each tag deployment. If you look at the graph. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now, which I'm assuming that they're then, um, which figure is this? Um, which I'm assuming is because it's the whale's just been tagged. Um, yeah. So they give it five minutes of resting time to kind of settle down or whatever. I, yeah, I, I don't There's... know. Or maybe they just cut off the first five minutes so that the time series is synced up at like a designated start point. I'm not really sure. Maybe. And then like looking at this, I don't know. I don't know what figure number this is, but I'll show you my screen. Like, can you guys see that screen? Yeah. So, um, in three, figure one. So the purple, the purple uh, dive lines woo, shows foraging. That's state okay. number two. So okay. in three of them, the whales didn't forage at all the whole time the tag was on. Okay. So I don't really know what to make of that. So Caitlin, this is a different article than you and I spoke about, right? No, this is the same one. So why is my mine's on the NOAA website though? I just have mine directly on the journal, but it, is it the same title? No. Front, frontiers in marine science effects of vessel distance. Um, uh, mine says interrupting feeding so the resident killer whales, especially females. Yeah. So this is saying like their part conclusion of it. is yeah yeah that's part of it. This their conclusion is that 
if vessels are less than 400 yards away, the animals stop feeding, especially the females. And they're saying that the females um, have more time dedicated to um, raising young that then like would would facilitate them stop like prioritizing stopping foraging when there's vessels around. Um, but then I had another question, which is, so then were there female, the females that were tagged, were they currently caring for young at the time of the tag deployment? Totally. Where, yeah, that's a great question. Like, did you get a measurement on that? Um, and then they also said they didn't do any tagging at night. And there's a possibility that the whales are recovering foraging time at night when there's less vessels around. So. And is just... that tag... And the boats making it a lot more stressful than just exactly. Like, I, I, I'm sorry, but when they put the tags on the whale, I, I, I think it's very like the data's it's skewed. It's yeah, it's, like well, especially I, if you have such a small know. sample size, 13 is not a very big sample. I vaguely who, remember them telling me a story last time I was in San Juan Island about how they tagged a whale and then the, the, the female that they tagged had split off from the group. Like, they split off and then didn't meet up till the next day. Because you, I'm, I'm sure it stresses the whale out. They're very smart. They have to know there's something stuck to their body. Yeah, and then um, they didn't really break out. They broke out vessel types in their discussion. They talked about recreational vessels and whale watch vessels. Um, but that still leaves a pretty wide span of, like, what those vessels are in size, what kind of engines they have, what kind of noise they make. Um do they have depth sounders on them? You know, there's all kinds of questions there about acoustic disturbance that, I don't know, aren't really reflected super heavily in the paper. It um, just, it, it seems like there's so many variables yeah. that are so hard to, A, record, and then B, categorize. Like, Yeah, I mean, I think know, this is... This is a piece of the management puzzle, but I don't think this should be the defining paper on how to best manage. Definitely not. Around I, that, that's a, this is all, every single thing comes back to like vessel noise and whale watch boats. It's it, nothing has to do with commercial fishing. It has to do with the dams, has to do with the farming. Like, I don't understand why it just Private keeps coming back to the whale, the whale watch boats. Because that's the easiest, that's the easiest they're gonna say people are, are harassing these animals you know the, the whale watchers are harassing these animals and it's the easiest out but in reality to be honest like i'm all first for science and observational studies but a lot of this paper from what i've read so far just doesn't seem to really have any conclusive thoughts and like, even the, how long are they out the, there for are they out there the, every single well, day of the year the methods the methods for it too just don't really like, like how are you going to differentiate the killer whales, different foraging or different states when they're under water the majority of the time. And yeah. and it's not well, like the I southern mean, residents are in the same tag, spot every but, day. Yeah. But even no. the tag, like like, they're basing uh, it on the like the pitch and the yaw and the speed of the whale. So like how much it's rolling, how fast it's descending, gotcha. how quick. And another thing, I'm re estimating though. I'm reading through this. It's it's talking about mimicking a whale watching boat that follows the rules, you know, like yeah. And there's not really a watch boat. Yeah, there's no data from their observations about level of compliance in the yeah. paper. They reference 
another paper that discusses compliance in general for that area. I, I, I first, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, they mentioned boats, the other boats. Like it mentions, yeah, private vessels, you know, engaged in recreational fishing or transistor area, but they didn't imitate those boats, you know, or it seems like they're just. I don't know. Well, yeah, because imitating a private boater is just running over the exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, Adam, did you ever witness them trying to tag the whales up there? Uh, I witnessed them do some weird things. I definitely have seen the researchers be really close up on the whales. I don't, I, See, I can't recall if, my, if I've seen them tag, but it was my first time I don't there, think... and they were chasing, and it happened to be uh, a very important whale in the group, and. They were chasing her like in circles, like straight up trying to get a tag on her. And it's like, of course, she's going to stop eating, especially once she gets a tag on her when you've exactly, been literally right. chasing in circles well, and for that's, 30 minutes. That's the thing. They're like, oh, like, you know, females are more susceptible to stop foraging when there's a, a vessel nearby. And it's like, no, I think they're more susceptible to stop foraging because there's a freaking tag on their back. I'm sorry, yeah. but I think that it, it like it. I, I'm not definite. I didn't go to college or do the science stuff, but I I, I really yeah. truly believe that it, it makes the data not as you know acceptable. It's not as compelling. Yeah. Yeah. It's not observational. That's not an observational study. You're yeah. You're now if they it? if they flew drones the whole it's entire time versus sticking a tag on it, I would believe that honestly more because they're at least not interrupt. You know what I mean? They're not like they're not, they're not, they're not chasing it. Yeah, like that. I feel like they they could. You know, if they put, you know, back-to-back batteries out there for four hours each day with Southern Residents, I would believe that data more than I would them tagging it. Because they spend an hour trying to get a tag on one whale, you know? Yeah, there's not really a whole lot of discussion about the behavioral the response process. of tagging. Yeah, which should, exactly. Which should probably be in your discussion. Um, you should probably have a note in your methods and, and allude to the fact that you're going to discuss that with your results. Well, who put this together like it's obviously not ken balcom the government well there you f- there you go <laughs> like i don't recognize like, i'm not discrediting anyone either Maybe i'm just saying I don't it's know. a go- it's a government collaborative with cascadia um but i think there's a couple i mean i think you need to put the data out right like these tags are yeah, from 100 seven years ago yeah. and older Gosh, but took a, took a while this situation the situation with the number of whales, the amount of stress with the food, and the new regulations of whale watching has kind of changed the game a little. So I'm not sure how much this is going to inform you. You know what I mean? Because now there's so much more restrictions on whale watching. There's a whole lot of different zones that you can't watch the whales in anymore. The distances are increased. And then we don't have a clear snapshot of what happened during COVID when there weren't really very many boats out. Yeah. I mean, I think that's I, another. Again, like, I, th- I think you said it best, Caitlin. This is obviously a piece of the puzzle, but this shouldn't, in no way, shape, or form, be what people, you know, base their ideas around or use as like solid, defining evidence. It just does. There's a lot of questions that need to be asked here, and yeah. it seems like a lot, there's a lot missing. Is all I'm trying to yeah. say. Yeah. Please, please don't decide what whale watchers boat should whale watching boat should do based on this. This article. exactly. 
We could honestly do a whole. We should honestly do a whole mini episode just on this. We should really get someone from the Pacific Northwest. Well, on yeah, here. I was gonna say like, maybe we should have Sarah should, and Jeff back on we here. Should get Sarah on, yeah. Or or um Gary too, Gary, because Gary, you know, is involved with a lot of it as well, yeah. especially on the so Canadian be, side. Since we've have been talking about it so much, maybe we well, should have seven do people it. on here. Dude, seven a lot. people on one episode. <laughs> this is a whale chat room. <laughs> It's so, interesting. I don't know. I, and then the other question that I've always, I've always wanted to answer is you get this kind of data, right? You look at, you're starting to piece together and maybe quantify your level of disturbance, even with ecotourism. Because you can't deny there's some level of disturbance, 100%, right? 100%. 100%. So then how do you also quantify the positive impacts of your ecotourism operation and where do the scales balance or do they not balance you know like that's what i've always wanted to try and figure out is like is your education programming and your conservation messaging um reinforcing enough long-lasting positive behaviors amongst your passengers to have a measurable impact despite the fact that you're burning fossil fuels and you're putting noise in the ocean and a very good question you know i but the the way i look at that at attacking that question is if 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 whale watching eco tour companies weren't out there who how would you see a whale right right yeah would so you, then there's that how whole... would you build it how would you build that connection how how yeah. you would have to have your own boat you'd have to you'd have to figure you have to find whales find where they migrate to right find and, where they and so that's part of how you, like that's another factor that you have to try and calculate in right is like making these connections with people um, where, how much does that count for? And the sentinel actions of whale watchers around boats that are misbehaving, you know, that counts for something. Um, well, I, I think you kind of have to, I mean, not necessarily, but like accounted for the majority of, you know, action, like, like, you know, like people act on things because they see it and they love it. Like, and obviously like you see stuff on TV, you know, you watch BBC documentaries, maybe you, um, donate to a research organization and like, yeah, those are aspects as well, but. And then a lot of these whale watch companies are submitting research data for free exactly. to yeah. these organizations. And they're the ones going to those town hall meetings and the employees are the ones submitting public comments during these management meetings. And they're the ones facilitating uh, petitions and, you know, going to um, demonstrations, public gatherings. They're the ones that are volunteering their time with, you know, American Cetacean Society. So, like, all those things, I think, do add up, like, this community around ecotourism. Totally. Is so much more I, than just the boat operation, and it does make a difference. So, how do you measure it? That's that's always my question. How do you measure it? And does it pencil out? I think it does, but I don't have any proof. <laughs> yeah, I... I totally agree. I I don't I don't see how you could take ecotourism out of the equation and still have people care. Yeah. To a certain extent, I mean, like a lot of people that you know we talk to or message us on Instagram have never seen a whale. They live in the middle mm -hmm. of the country, but they always say, you know, I I see your stuff and I I see the photos you create or whatever, and and I that's something that I would love to see one day. You know, that's like a bucket list thing, and like. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a really good question, but I, I'm obviously biased because I work for an eco door company. But 
I think at the end of the day, it's it's an important aspect, and it, it can't really be ignored. Yes. Which I guess is what this, which I guess is what this whole thing's about. But it's on yeah. the opposite end, opposite end of the spectrum. Yep. Ah, my brain it hurts. <laughs> <sighs> Any other thoughts, Eric or Slater? It's like the just same like, answer I always. Yeah, do that. just morons out there who are strictly there's just people who are just like anti voters, especially over there in the San Juans. I think me and Slater talked about that. You're making any excuse to, to. Well, watching both protect them and gather data free. Scientists can never get that. They have to get funds from people that donate, and you can get tons of free data from people that are just doing it as their job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and they 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 make it sound like these are you need whale watch. They sounds like they sound like they really think we're out there like chasing the whales. Like a lot of these people who like. Are fanatical, typical orchid people. They wouldn't love these animals if they didn't see us whale watchers putting up the pictures online. They wouldn't know about these things, these news items I, that report on the about the calves, unless us whale watchers saw them and reported them. You know. I uh, totally, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. But like Caitlin said, you you can't ignore that there has to there has to be some. There has yeah. to be some, but it's not, you know, it's not whale watchers. They're going after, you don't see, you know, any papers out there, you know, it's always like whale watching boats, whale watching boats, like tourism, ecotourism, but like, totally. what about, pri- what about totally. private boaters? What about the fucking dams, you know? They're still ignoring that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the, the private boaters, like, um, somebody posted in Cedal Fauna, I don't know if this is the exact same article, but, um, I commented and I just kind of like said my experience with it. And I was just like, look, like I worked one season in Washington and the amount of times I saw a private boater run through, literally run through a pot of killer whales. I, 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 I can't count it, you know? And I was there for, for three and a half months Even and the, the amount of time yeah. that like we, we went there and like, we would try to, you know, honk them or hail them over the radio or literally put our boat in front of their boat. Like, you know, like, to make them stop it's just like it's insane like th- th- that should not be the case yeah and I've seen it. Yeah, you're gonna focus pull. on yeah when you're gonna focus on whale watching the people that care and the people that are putting are the information eyes out there? out there yeah the whale watchers are the eyes we're the ones keeping the eye on everything out there you think they're they really think we're purposely out there you know like, to- like again I, I i don't doubt that there's some sort of small impact of whale watchers and especially responsible whale watchers because there are some companies that as we know, aren't the most reputable or portray themselves as the most reputable, but don't mm-hmm. have proper, don't, you know, drive around. Don't the have good properly. vessel etiquette. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Then that's, that's a different discussion, I think. But for the most part, the majority of companies are very respectful and have captains that have been doing this for 30 years and know what they're doing. Yeah. And there's a lot of well, things yeah, that I mean, overlooking, like, shoot, like the survival rate of the cast that they talked about, like, the amount of toxins. Yeah, what about the moms, pollution? The moms yeah. having their blubber, you know, and why that's happening. They don't talk, bring that up. It's like, and, and another thing, you know, it's like, dude, a lot of us, a lot of, literally all four of us, we wouldn't be here because of what, you know, if it wasn't for whale watching and all they're doing is going after whale watchers. I, I don't get it. Well, yeah. it makes a lot more sense that this is a governmental paper that kind of... I mean, and it's, it's a, you know, like all... When you look at scientific 
publications. You should always just take it like this is data they put out. Look at the graph yourself. You can read their discussion and their intro and their context information that they've included, but look at their results and their data critically for yourself and try and draw some conclusions for it from it too. And if you're not getting the same conclusion that they're writing about in their results and discussion section, then that's when you need to have some time to reflect on, you know, what this paper was trying to get across because it's just data at the end of the day. Right. So like you have to look at yeah. how they modeled it, what variables were involved in collecting it and then ask some questions about it, which is what they're supposed to do in the paper too. But you know, sometimes like with this paper, we, I think we all ended up with way more questions than there are possibly answers for. Totally. Which to me says it's a piece of the puzzle, but it's not any significant solution. Like there needs to be more work done before you can make any significant yeah. decisions around that. And obviously bigger boats are louder. And then, I mean, let's stop the ferries. That's what let's I was telling Caitlin. Cargo. Out, yeah. All those wood lumber boats you see out there, you know? Well, how many of those boats are outboards how many of them are diesels you know yeah. what i mean like yeah so that's what i was telling caitlin on the phone two days ago or yesterday it's like there's a big difference well and how many of them are constantly in motion like some guy trolling for salmon is going to make a lot more noise than a whale watch boat that's sitting there drifting yep so <laughs> it's just Wait. it's it's asinine so um, so that was all that I had prepared for this episode. I see one more topic in there. Do we want to do that one now or do we want to leave we'll it where it later. we are? We'll okay. do it next time. Yeah. Okay. yeah I feel like that's, pretty a, long. that's a topic that's going to make me. Yeah. That one deserves <laughs> to be on a different episode. I think it deserves it's already a, pretty yeah, long. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> all right. Well, um, what, dude? thanks so much Watch later. if you made it this far. <laughs> so yeah, you're cutting just, out a little bit, Adam. Slater oh, just cut, punched his mic. Punch my mic. <laughs> I've been watching so much Cobra Kai, Eric. Don't you dare mess with me, dude. <laughs> you weren't even old enough for when the originals came out. I've did you? seen all of them. I, no, Did I wasn't you? alive for the first one, technically. It was 84, I believe. Yeah, no, I was it was 94. 84? 84, probably. Yeah, I wasn't I don't, alive don't yet either. I don't know anything about Daniel's son and Mr. Miyagi, right? All the, all the movies. I know, I know Miyagi Do quite well. Okay, this is this is a point you know in the podcast where we get off everything. of topic. Except for I learned. Think you taught you everything. Yeah, I do. Oh, the pressure points, you know about them. <laughs> Sorry. All right, you guys. Thank Welcome you so much to... for listening to the podcast. This is a super long one, and uh, yeah, we got a lot of good information out there. Yeah. Yeah, and thank you to our Patreon supporters. Um, we always really, really, really appreciate your support um, because it does cost money to produce this podcast so your financial contributions are always welcome and thanks to all of our listeners everywhere and followers on social media we appreciate your support following along with us bye, thank you everyone. so much bye everyone Rock on. thank Rock you on,